0: So I'd say for me and a lot of other players that have gone through kind of like the major junior and even people that are playing pro, for example, um, if the puck is in, say, the team that you're cheering for, if it's in their defensive end, um, I might be looking at, like you might just see the puck and kind of 10 other players just on the ice, just kind of looking at it where I might see a situation where the puck's in the corner and I'll see like an overload or maybe like a spread. Um like people like the teams might be trying to like cut off um certain like aspects of the ice, so um an easy way i can maybe explain it is like if you had a dice and you know so you have like the center of the dice, that might be like the uh the middle of the zone, and then each kind of dot where I say the puck might go, I see the players I can see the players shift into their next position if we we can maybe look at like jiu Jitsu in the same way where um if, say, we're scrambling, you're trying to get to that next position, same thing can be applied to hockey where when the puck gets moved, you got to you got to just read and react and you got to know where to go next without thinking about it. Because if you're thinking, then it's just it's too slow.
1: This happens as a team, though. Yeah, so everybody.
0: Well, that's yeah. So you got to know your job and you got to know how to execute your job and you have to trust your teammates that they're going to do the same thing. And when, say, if something like that breaks down, then that can be a goal penalty, something bad against you might happen.
1: So if you're applying it properly, how, what's the probability of failure?
0: Okay, so I played five years in the Western Hockey League, and I only played for one team that could like get the systems right on a nightly basis. So it's hard, yeah. And the, the, team that, the team that I had most success with, we went to the finals that year. And then, the, like, the team that we lost to in the finals, they were a better team. They were just, uh, yeah, they were a little bit better in just, like, all the kind of fine details. Like, so, uh, here's, a, like, a detail is, so you have the red line uh, in the middle of the ice. And, like, if you don't, say, you don't get reached the red line and you try to dump the puck in, that's an icing. And so you'll have the puck, you'll have the face off in your end, where if you get the red line, dump it in, then you can get a line change and get fresh guys on the ice. Where if you don't reach the red line, you're going to be tired. You can't change after the whistle. That could lead to a bad, bad situation, goal penalty. Because when you're tired, you make
1: bad decisions. So if you take that risk and you try to shoot it before you get to the red line, what happens? So,
0: yeah, so if you're, if say you've been out there 30 seconds in your own end, the smart thing to do would be to get the red line, dump it in, change. So say you've been in your, your end 30 seconds, you got to get to the red line, dump it in, and change, but you don't. You try to dump it in, it's an icing. So play's dead, play's stopped, the puck is now brought back to your end, but you're not allowed to change.
1: So when you say dump the puck, what
0: does that mean? That means just, like, shooting the puck into the opposing team's end.
1: And you're not allowed to do that till you go past the red past line. Past the red line, yeah. What would cause somebody to do that? Go past the red line or no, not, to, to not? To not do it if they know they just have to get to the red line. Sometimes
0: it. people will
1: do selfish things, like try to keep the puck and
0: try to do it all themselves, like... Yeah, there can be just like lapses of judgment, um not knowing where you are on the ice or maybe not understanding how long you've been out there and thinking like 30 seconds maybe didn't feel like 30 seconds, so you get the puck out and then you want to go on the attack when really you need to be changing for the team instead of just thinking of your own personal gain.
1: So there's situations where somebody doesn't know where they are on the ice. Like not like more
0: awareness is in maybe knowing like how long you've been out there and just like knowing what the next plan of attack should be, which sometimes even though maybe after 30 seconds you're feeling good, if you don't change with your line, it's going to mess everything up
1: for the team. So you may feel fresh yeah, but if, and you think, okay, I'll just do this. But nobody gets to change now if it doesn't work out. Yeah.
0: And that's just one small aspect of the entire game. Like, so when the team that, so I played for Vancouver Giants in the uh, 2018 2019 season, that's the year that we went to the final. One thing that we got really good at was keeping um, the opposing team in their end, say for 20 seconds. And then changing in their end and getting fresh guys out and then so then they would be tired and we would be fresh and just doing things like that. we didn't have any all star players really We had one defenseman who's in the NHL right now um, but other than that, like we weren't in the like we didn't have players in the top scoring, like individual
1: scoring in the league. we were just a really good uh, team so by working together, yeah. you were actually able to defeat a team that had more skill than you guys
0: yeah and so and how we would prepare is like our coach um, like I really respect this guy I love him to death but he's a little bit a little, little crazy um, like our training was quite intense um, but we needed to do that because we didn't have the skill to just rely on our skill we had to be in shape we had to um, know our systems we had to and we had to be able to execute Um, we got to a point where we were really good at just executing, where we would have say three to five systems for each kind of zone. And depending on what the other team was doing, we could just change mid game, what we were going to do. All right. You just said this coach was a little crazy in like the, in like one of the best ways that you could.
1: Okay. What made you decide to follow his directions? If if that, that was your, because he,
0: he led by example um he would he would always like he'd be the first guy at the rink um always going through video and not even just going through video and doing those little things but like he would all he'd be in the gym he'd be working out um always be pushing us players to be better um and then on the flip side of that you could have a personal conversation with him um yeah he was really good at that like it was never like you always had a a player coach relationship with him at the rink but then outside of the rink he was able to kind of switch it off and be more just like a nice human being <laughs> <laughs> but like when he played junior like he was he was a total just tough guy just like yeah you wouldn't want to mess with him
1: with the training how did you guys get it so that you worked as a unit so what a so a typical day we would get to the
0: rink I can't remember. It was a few, quite a few years ago now, so I can't remember exactly. But say we'd get the rink at nine and we would do video. So whatever team we were going to be playing next, we would go over video on what their systems would be and what we would need to do to execute. And one of the things that he would do is we would watch their last game. He would leave the room. But as a team, we would sit in the room and we would take notes and together think of ways to, to beat their systems, and then he would come back in because he already knows what we have to do to beat their systems, and he would ask us what we would think, and then he would say either, like, yes, no, um, and yeah, so lots of video, and then after the video, we would say, go do our lift and workout, and then we would go on the ice, and that practice would be based on just beating that
1: particular team, and we would just just drill the systems. So he gave you guys some autonomy to yeah come up with your own solutions yes yeah
0: and i thought that was uh yeah like super effective
1: how on board was everybody with what he was doing everybody was on board yeah that's
0: why we made it to the finals um like we had we had some really talented players on our team early in that season that got traded because they weren't wanting to buy into what we were doing so like we traded like we traded arguably are like who would have been our top forward
1: goal scorer that year because he wasn't buying in. So what I'm hearing is hockey is all about it's all about the, the team. team. Yeah.
0: Yeah, you can't be you can't be selfish or anything like that. Cuz and if you are selfish um that usually doesn't go well with your teammates. Like usually guys will hold you accountable for stuff like that and then it'll just become a very uncomfortable
1: environment. So he got rid of people who weren't ready mm-hmm. or willing to be part of the team. Mm-hmm. Once you whittled it down, how well did everybody work together? Extremely well. Um, I can't, like, we had,
0: uh, so we had played 68 games that season. I want to say we lost less than 15 games all year. Um, like, we went on, uh, I'd say more than once, we went on uh, eight game win streaks or more.
1: With being a less skilled team, yeah, yeah, but you guys focused on the systems, the systems, yep, conditioning, yep, and the and the teamwork,
0: Yeah. So something we would do, um, like bef- like as a team building exercise before the season e- even started, just to build a, a little bit of a camaraderie amongst the team. And it's always good to go through kind of hard things together as a team. It kind of brings everybody closer together. So one of the things we did was there's a really hard hike in uh, kind of the lower mainland Vancouver area called the gross grind. And so we would be put in groups of four or five and we would have to carry up a 30 pound medicine ball in that group. How did that go? Uh, So it would, we finished groups would finish between 40 minutes and an hour. And then, yeah, and then we'd talk about it, discuss what like what some teams uh, did good and what some teams did bad. Like uh, my group, um, we had this one guy. It was really bad. He had a blood clot, and he didn't know, and nobody knew. We all thought he was out of shape, (laughs) so we were constantly giving him a hard time going up the mountain because he had to obviously stop. Um, But. Like one thing that made that team special was uh, like we we ended up just carrying them up the mountain. So we had a 30 pound medicine ball and we had to carry this like 180 pound guy, too. We we had to let him go (laughs) because at like I'd say maybe like the 30 minute mark, the coaches had caught us and they started last and our group had started
1: first. Like so we had already been lapped by everybody. At what point did you decide, hey, we're just going to carry you?
0: probably after about five minutes of him stopping every like five seconds. So what made you decide to carry him versus leave him behind? Uh, Because, well, we had, it's just, it's not, it wouldn't have been a good look. And at that point it was, we were still in like kind of the tryouts. Personally, I already had a spot on the team or like a 90%. Like I'd been on the team before. So like, obviously, like you can get cut, but it's a really low chance that you're going to get cut. If you do everything, do all the right things, um, so yeah, so like there are guys that weren't on the team. And so it's like, we can't just leave them because that doesn't look good. So it's like, what, what's a better look than carrying your teammate up the mountain?
1: Okay. Yeah. yeah. That, that extra bit where you guys yeah. are still trying out, you guys yeah. are actually not, everybody's on the, the team. The team's yet. not made yet. Okay.
0: Yeah. At this point. And that's also why we're doing this
1: excruciating hike
0: because we'll have time
1: to recover. <laughs> <laughs> So that wasn't, that was actually a team building and team selection. I would, yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Cause like if, if there was a guy that's just like having a
0: bad attitude and just like not wanting to do the hike, like, yeah, he's going to be off the team. doesn't matter how good you are.
1: Your coach seems like the guy he knows. Your coach knows what to do. Yeah. To build a team. Yeah. I'd say so. And if you, even if you look at their
0: team right now, um, it's very similar to what we had. Uh, maybe a little bit less skill, but they're not doing bad, like terrible by any means. And they might not have the most skill, but I guarantee with his systems and how he um, like has his team dialed in, that's why they're doing, like they could be doing a lot worse.
1: Potentially, I don't know. I'm not, but, well, I'm not there right now, so hopefully I'm not speaking <laughs> way out of turn. Well, you had the experience though. Yeah. How complicated are these systems?
0: I, it's hard to say because they are they are complicated. But just like playing the game my whole life, I personally wouldn't find them very complicated. Um, like you have to be able to just yeah you have to be able to adapt and um, just be able to play the game anyways. Like if you can't just read and react instinctually and understand the game that way, you're not going to be able to play within the systems. You're just going to be a robot. Like, you got to know what you're doing and, like, what aspect you need to do it in. Like, if the puck gets dumped in this corner, okay, I'm on this side of the ice, so I got to, instead of going straight at the puck, I got to cut off the boards. But then if it's on the other side, I got to maybe um, kind of cut in front of the net a little bit and kind of create an angle to push him up the boards because I got a guy that's going to be coming down the boards.
1: You You have a general direction you're going to
0: go. Yeah but then obviously things can change so you have to be able to sometimes ad lib on the fly. And that's with everybody on the ice. Yes. What are you watching? You're it's a, watching you're not you're not watching, you're just reacting. Yeah, if you're watching, you're a step behind.
1: So there's no thinking when you're yeah, playing. Yeah, you can't be thinking.
0: Game. Yeah, you can't be thinking. You got to know, yeah, you got to know what you're doing beforehand. Like um I was actually like I was just talking to my dad about this yesterday. Um he's going to because he played hockey at a high level two, and he played just growing up played college hockey and all that and um he's going to be helping out some uh younger players throughout the summer who are um they're playing u18 so it's just under under 18 and they haven't played i don't i believe they haven't played like rep hockey yet which is like a little bit higher level um so they're, they're gonna have to get introduced to hits And so just like one of the things that he's going to have to teach them is if say they're going up the boards, you got to, you got to know that you got to check. So you got to do like a shoulder check, see if anybody's coming up, but sometimes you can't do a shoulder check. So, so if you can't do a shoulder check, you got to just be ready to take a hit. So how do you get ready to take a hit? You just got to be braced. Just don't be three feet away from the boards. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. Just, yeah. Just try to be, don't like have your head down. Just try to try to be in good
1: posture. But yeah. You learned all these systems. What's your take-home point if you were to do it again? The only thing I would do differently is
0: just try to – maybe just try to be on the ice a little bit more. I think that's the um, – I was always really strict with my training. Um, ice is always – is kind of hard to come by, like it's, and it's expensive to just, like, rent ice to go out and practice. Yeah, it's hard to say because I have critically looked at my um, hockey career – and I like it's hard to like. There's not a lot more I could have done. Like I kind of I like I kind of just peaked out at my potential. I think a little bit. I I don't know. Could be wrong. Um, but like when I was thirteen, like I moved away from my home to pursue hockey. So like when I was in grade seven, I moved to Vancouver to start working on hockey. Was in Vancouver for a year training there, and then I moved to Kelowna for two years to continue training hockey. And then so like I've been just moving around training hockey pretty much forever until like a year and a half ago. Now, what made you decide you're done with hockey? It just wasn't having fun. Wasn't enjoying the process. Um, for me, the funnest part was, uh, just like working on skills and getting better and seeing yourself get better. Um, Like if you're not enjoying shooting the 50 pucks before every practice or if you're not enjoying staying out and shooting the 50 pucks after practice, I just don't think then it's just not worth it anymore. And that's kind of because I was getting quite bitter with it and uh, but still keeping the discipline with like going out and getting the 50 pucks in before practice, staying out and just I was just I found myself just getting mad with it. And at that point, because I was playing CIS, like you're not going straight to the NHL. You're going to either go to Europe, play in a B or C league, Europe league, um, or you're going to play in the East Coast Hockey League. Not that there's anything wrong with any of these choices, but you're just going to be grinding. You're not going to be making any money. So I just thought it's just best I just take a step back. And now a year uh, like a, a little over a year being removed i'm now starting to have conversations about the game again and i'm
1: not feeling like mad so you left when your anger yeah got so high yeah and for o- sure. only after a year did the anger subside yeah i can like
0: yeah i can say that now i'm like pretty at peace with it like, let's say like a few months after being removed, it was, uh yeah, a lot of thinking about just my career and just like things that went wrong. But like, now that it doesn't mean anything really to me, in the sense that my dream is no longer to play in the NHL, it never really mattered, which is kind of a cool way to look at it. Because I think that gives me like I can look back at it more of a success than like I didn't reach it to the NHL and fail kind of thing. Okay. So if that makes
1: sense, I'm it, it, it does. Cause at the time it meant the world to you because yeah. it was your world. Yeah. And then when you left, you realize, Hey, the world is actually bigger than yeah. just this piece of ice. Yeah. That's a, yeah, that's a great way of putting it. So then how did you come to that realization?
0: Oh, um, well, I I think jujitsu plays a large role in that just kind of being able to, like I've told you before, just like sucking at something like really sucking at something. Cause I don't think there's like, if you want to really like suck at something, start jujitsu because you're going to get somebody that's 140 pounds. that's going to kick your ass. (laughs) Like, so, um, so I think that helped just with kind of like just separating from it. Um, yeah then i think yeah i don't know i think just time away just been then just being able to look back at it with more of a critical eye like i traveled like i've lived from moose jaw like i've lived in moose jaw i've lived in vancouver like i've lived i've lived in north vancouver and tawassin which are like different parts of vancouver kind of thing um yeah so like i can't i can't complain about anything because there's so many other kids that would have died to have my opportunity
1: Okay. So you actually see the you see how valuable that time was. Yeah. Now. Yeah, absolutely. What do you mean when you started jujitsu, it was it was good to suck or whatever? What do you expand? What's because
0: that mean? I felt like I could get better. Like when I was kind of reaching the end of my uh hockey career, I felt like I was still putting in like as much effort as I could and getting better and I wasn't.
1: Oh, the ceiling you had yeah. reached what you your theoretical ceiling.
0: Yeah. Like I'm not like maybe if I got gotten like help from certain other people, like who knows, maybe things could have been different, but you can't dwell on that. Having something where you're just like so bad at it that you can get better literally every day because there's so many things that you can learn that it's not hard to get better at it.
1: <laughs> yeah. So you're starting at square zero yeah. with the jujitsu. Yeah. No matter what you have to be getting marginally better. Yeah. How has your perspective changed towards your activities and hobbies since you've been in hockey? Um, I think
0: it's, so in hockey, you always wanted to kind of act like a professional in the sense of like showing up on time, being disciplined, like doing this things that you don't, because there's always going to be things, even in things that you like doing, there's going to be certain things that you don't like doing. Cause like, there's so many times in my career, like, well, and still even now, like, like you don't wake up wanting to go to the gym every day or going for like that run, especially here in Saskatchewan where it can be minus 20. Yeah, I just like, and well, right now I'm in school and my whole like childhood life, like I did not focus on school at all. And so now I'm just like, I didn't go to high school. Like I like I did my core courses, but w- through hockey, I got all my elective credits and everything. And I just like really got pushed through, which like I'm not complaining about. Like it was awesome. I just got to play hockey the whole time. But now I'm paying for that in university just with... I think I just don't pick up things as quickly maybe like I don't have uh maybe the same foundation that other people that did like the whole school system the way it's supposed to be done um so yeah but I mean like I still can't complain but I think hockey has definitely helped me with just like because there's so many times I don't want to read and there's just so many reading <laughs> so much reading to do
1: so you you actually keep those silent promises you make to yourself now I try to. I lose a lot, but I I win sometimes. Lose a lot, yeah. Just like
0: sometimes, like yeah, you just got to put your feelings aside too, and you just got to do it. So
1: yeah, that makes sense. And yeah. the hockey taught you that.
0: I yeah, yeah. Hockey's taught me a lot of things.
1: I definitely say that's one of them. Yeah. for sure. What's this? You didn't do school system. How how what what happened? What?
0: Yeah. Okay. So when I when I moved away from home in grade seven. So obviously, but it's elementary school, like I'm still doing like the regular elementary thing. But after grade seven, you go to grade eight, which is high school. So the start of my grade eight, I was in a, uh, a hockey academy called Pursuit of Excellence uh, out of Kelowna. And we would do two classes a day just two core classes. So you do like a math and an English. Like we weren't doing any, there wasn't no language credit that we were doing. There was no woodworking. There was no physical education. We would say do our maths, our English, uh, our science and our social studies,
1: but in two hours.
0: Yeah. So no. So what it would be. So we would say have, we just do four classes a semester and where most kids were doing like four classes a day. And so we would say, wake up, do our off-ice training. This is in uh, Kelowna at the Pursuit of Excellence. So we would do our uh, our training, say, in the morning, go to our class, go to uh, ice, do our practice for two hours, and then come back to the training facility and do uh, two more hours of weightlifting or off-ice skills or video. And then I would get my credits, like my uh, – high school elective credits through all this hockey like they'd present i don't know say they'd present it to whoever's running like at school running the stuff at school be like hey he can't make his uh elective classes because i'm doing all this hockey stuff and so they'd just be like yep here's his credits from my perspective, it could have been a lot different than that. but
1: Okay, with that, how many hours of hockey training and off-ice training versus school were you doing per day then?
0: When I was in grade 8 and 9, um, we would do two hours of on-ice a day. So that's two. We would do probably five hours a day because I would want it so if we had to say if we had school in the morning, then we would do a workout in the morning before school, and then after school we would go to the ice, go to the rink and be on the ice for two hours, and then after that we would come back to the training facility and do some kind of some kind of training, whether it be like skill development, mobility, or conditioning. So the five hours includes the off ice stuff too. Yeah, yeah. Two hours would so a week we would be on the ice ten hours.
1: Okay, plus watching tape, doing yeah. the the off ice training yeah, and then also lifting weights or doing some sort of resistance training. Yeah. And then you were doing also 10 hours of school a week. Yeah. Cause it was two hours a day. Mm-hmm.
0: But then also with that, like, I don't know how much, cause like we would always have tutor, like we'd always have people helping us out too. So like if you didn't have, if you didn't understand something, like you always had somebody that could just give you the answer right away. So there wasn't really much, like, going on out on your own to find the answers. I don't know if that maybe would have helped me in the long run if I had to do that. Um, but, yeah, and, like, we would, like, lots of take-home tests. Like, a lot of tests that we just would do just because, like, our schedule would get in
1: the way. So then we would just go talk to our teachers, and then they'd be like, yeah, just... So top priority at this place was hockey. Yeah.
0: The top priority from when I was in grade 7 to the end of my high, high school like career was hockey.
1: Okay, and you said that you might have missed out on some of the essential sc- study skills. Yeah. Yeah. How are you gaining those now? It's a battle. <laughs> so it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of just like
0: just doing things over and over again. Like so I'm getting I'm trying to get a degree in economics right now and it's basically a math degree. Um, so like what I do right now and like, it, it's still like, it's a struggle, but like how I study is just constantly going over the formulas and the problems. And at that, it still sometimes isn't
1: enough. So you're pretty much training the same way you train hockey. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to. Yeah. So how has hockey developed you as a person? I don't know how much has changed me,
0: but it's definitely helped with like discipline, maybe not being afraid to hold people accountable. Cause that's, that's a huge thing. Just like being on a team, being in a team setting, like if somebody's not holding their weight and if, and if you are, then you have that right to kind of call them out. Yeah. I don't know if it's really like, I think I would have still had like all my same morals and everything, even if I didn't play hockey. Yeah. Where do you see hockey going? Like just in general, like the game as a whole. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's changing so much. Like the game is so much more skilled than it was even 10 years ago um where you like if you look back at say like the 80s or 90s uh early 2000s like the way that I played I was a I was a heavy player I like a power forward I would finish my like I would finish all my checks I'd try to play really heavy uh get to the net like get to the kind of what we would call dirty areas where people wouldn't like the rough areas where people wouldn't like when you watch the game sometimes you can see, players that aren't tough, avoid these areas. So like that would be the corners and in front of the net. And that's kind of where I would play a lot of my game.
1: What makes those areas rough?
0: It's just a lot of just like checking, like a lot of like slashing, cross checks. Like you can like, there's a lot of dirty tricks too that you can kind of learn, like getting like slashing under the glove, kind of slashing under the pants. So
1: wait, are you only allowed to slash in these areas? You're not allowed to slash at all. (laughs) (laughs) What makes these areas so special then?
0: That's a good question, but it's just, I don't know. It's just like it, because when the puck's in there, there's probably, you probably got like three or four guys
1: there. So it's just like, it's a battle. So in the chaos, somebody might not see yeah, what you're doing. Yeah. Okay. So you're saying the game is, it's different back in the 80s, 90s.
0: Yeah. So a person like the way that I played, I don't, I don't know a hundred percent, but I maybe would have had a better shot of reaching my goal if I maybe played in a different era just because like today it's such a skilled and fast game say like back in the early 2000s like if you had a guy that was like 6'4 he probably wouldn't be very skilled or fast not that there weren't but you're just seeing a lot more today you're seeing these guys that are like big guys that are fast skill agile yeah so I think if the game's gonna get a lot more it it looks like it's just getting a lot more finesse like there's less fights less of those like quote unquote tough guys kind of things. Like there's less of those roles. So it's more
1: technical now.
0: Yeah. I'd say it's maybe getting a little bit more technical.
1: So the team that you were on with those systems versus uh 1995 team, how does that go?
0: Like, I don't know if the systems have really changed much. I could be wrong.
1: I haven't really done much video or
0: research like on the systems, like uh, in those eras. Yeah, I don't know. It would be it would be interesting to see like the two kind of different styles go up like if you had say a champion like last year's championship team play against like the 2000 championship team. That could be yeah, that could be that would be really interesting. Cuz like on one hand, you might have a team that's maybe a little bit tougher, say maybe in the 2000, but then like the team that won last year, they might just be so fast like and plus like the technology, like the skates sticks like the stuff that they're using is all like the technology's better than what it was like people were like in those in the eras that i'm talking about like people were still using like wood sticks and stuff so it was, it, was a, it was a different game for sure
1: so the equipment actually helps you
0: oh yeah yeah like if if it'd be it'd be interesting if you if i put on
1: a pair of skates from 30 years ago and tried to skate i think i think it would probably be a little bit difficult we have better equipment now yeah and we have better conditioning programs.
0: Yeah, so especially like in the conditioning part of it, so say like in like kind of the 90s era, people came to training camp to get in shape, where now people come to training camp already in shape.
1: What, what do you think made that shift?
0: If I were to guess, because I don't know, it would be probably just the competitiveness, and just like if you wanted to be a good player or if you wanted to stick around, it just it wasn't cutting it anymore. Just showing up to get in shape, you had to be prepared.
1: So there's more of a talent pool now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How did the game evolve from when you started to the end? So that's
0: not it's not a long time.
1: Um, it's like, how
0: was that? It's like six years, five or six years, say, from grade seven to the end of grade 12. Yeah, depending when you start. Yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't say in that period of time the game changed. I wouldn't say that it changed like a, a ton, I would say that maybe it just got a little bit faster, just a little bit more skilled. Like every year, I think you're just seeing just the skill get raised a little bit more.
1: So when you say skill, what skills are we looking at?
0: I'd say mostly just speed and being able to operate at a high speed because things are happening like on the like split seconds. Things are happening and you got to be able to make
1: split second reactions so when you're saying speed you actually don't mean physical speed you mean processing not all the time speed. you mean yeah. processing speed yeah is that the difference then between a good player yeah. and a great player yeah absolutely is the, the processing speed
0: yeah knowing what you're going to do before you get the puck for sure like some of the highlights if you go and look at like the top highlights and goals it's it can it's quite incredible some of the plays that happen like you can like you can see plays where people aren't even looking at the guy that they're going to pass to and it's like
1: tape to tape just like picture perfect these guys have it hardwired yeah they've it's, drilled it enough yeah.
0: it's hard to explain cuz like even like from like uh experiences that I've had um like I've made passes like where I'm not even looking like I'll just like the puck will be in front of me but I know that my teammates behind me so I'm just throwing the puck behind me And he gets it. And he gets it. Yeah.
1: And you didn't look. Didn't look. Had a feeling, or
0: it's just that's just the systems, and it's just knowing your systems and knowing where your players are supposed to be. And the the weird thing about it is like, okay, so I know that my teammate's behind me, so I can just get him the puck. Obviously, you're listening to hear because communication is is a huge thing in hockey too. Like, if you were to have a microphone on the ice, it would just you'd hear just yelling and just people
1: talking all the time. So you guys are constantly talking on the ice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like I can remember instances um, where there's been a a battle in the corner and the puck's kind of stopped and everybody's trying to just kind of get the puck free. And the the conversation might be like, okay, I'm going to get this puck and I'm going to put it behind the net and then I'm going to turn. And that could be a a conversation you have right there on the ice during the play.
1: And you're telling – And I'm
0: telling my guy who's, say, behind me or whatever – but What's the other that? team hears it too. Yeah, but I it's uh, you got to execute so well that it doesn't matter. Like uh, I forget, I forget what coach it was. My dad. It might have. Been, it might have been my dad who said this. But it's just like it, we'll give the other team our playbook because we're gonna execute so well that it's not gonna matter. That can kind of be a mindset
1: that you can have. That but, is such a legit saying.
0: Yeah. Well, like it's not gonna because it's not gonna matter. Um, yeah, if, if you know what you're doing, then it's just, yeah, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the other team... And it's no secret what you're doing and it's no secret what the other team's doing because everybody's watching everybody. Everybody's going over video.
1: Everybody has the same playbook. Yeah. They're all in the same ice. Whoever's executing the
0: best wins.
1: Yeah, for sure. Executing that system. Yeah, so for sure. It boils down to the teamwork, the systems, mm-hmm. and then the actual... How precise you can execute. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, well, yeah, when you start like looking at the little
1: details of the game,
0: it's it's really complex.
1: Yeah, we barely scratched the surface. Mm-hmm. What's something that doesn't matter? How you tape your hockey stick? <laughs> <laughs> um, what makes them do that?
0: Hockey players are weird. A lot of superstition. Okay, that's a good one. Superstition. I don't think matters. Like, I don't think it matters if you're wearing your lucky pair of underwear. On that day I don't think that's gonna make you play well what's gonna make you play well is knowing the systems and having the right preparation but you would be surprised on how many players have like these little quirks and things that it's like if I don't do this I'm gonna have a bad game
1: Ooh, a lot of yeah. super- so a lot of superstition and a lot of ritual
0: yeah like I would say I had a, a ritual Like where I would do the exact same, I do the exact same thing for a game, every single game, um, same up, same stretch, same thing. Um, but sometimes when you're at like an away rink, you won't have all the stuff that's available to you at your home rink. So you got to adapt a little bit. So that's why I never put an emphasis on if one thing doesn't happen the way I want it to, it's not going to ruin my whole day where some people have a really bad, like have a real battle with that trying to like separate and it can get in their head. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And it does. Yeah. And you can see it. Like I've had teammates that I've like sat beside in the dressing room. They'll like lean over and they'll be like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna have a good game today. They already lost before they touched the ice. Oh yeah.
1: What's the biggest instance you've seen that stands out to you? Um, they
0: would put their stick outside in the hallway and they wouldn't let their blade touch the ground. And I I can remember it was like a trainer or something, moved the stick, not even knowing. Moved it two feet, but like moved it and like turned it around. So the blade was like touching the ground. And like, it was some European kid and he was just, he lost it. Like
1: How did he he play that game? Oh,
0: terrible. Yeah.
1: Yeah, he was, yeah, he was so out of it. After that happened, it was just, it was done. It's really showing if it matters to you. Yeah. Then it can hurt you. But then that's also, like, you can see people have, um, like,
0: I think there's definitely, like, benefits to that. I've heard of people having success in, like, before a game, if they can find things that they can control. And just, like, little things that they can control, they find that that helps, helps their play. I don't, I've never understood that. Like, people can have a, a weird ritual from just, like, sitting on the bench and twirling a piece of tape. Like, it's, it's bizarre.
1: It grounds them kind of yeah, then.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's just something for them mentally to just kind of dial in a little bit or something. Oh, okay. And what did you do? I just, I do my same stretches and my same warm up routine. Yeah. And just think about what I have to do to play a good game. I would write down on a piece of paper um, things that if I did these things, then that means that I probably had a good game. So it would be like, okay, five hits, three shots. A blocked shot and being a plus one which it,
1: which means being on the ice for a goal so you had an objective list yeah how did you come up with this objective list
0: uh it was a player a player in the nhl uh ryan gets i read that he did that for his games and like he played in the
1: nhl hall of famer how did it work out for you
0: i think it it did better than if i didn't do it because then it was always kind of in the back of my head because sometimes you can have games where things just aren't going your way but I could always control if I got my five hits. I could always control if, um, like, I was keeping my feet moving or if I was making my passes. But you can't always control, like, if you're just not getting like the bounces that game. For me, maybe that's what grounded me. But I never looked at it like if, because there were games like that I forgot my pen and paper or whatever. But like, I would never let that derail me.
1: Yeah. So during that game, you are playing on the team but you're not letting the team affect you.
0: Yeah, try not. Sometimes it's, sometimes it is hard. Like it's easier said than done,
1: especially if you have like, just if the whole team is just going off the rails. So the team can go on tilt or get red zone or whatever, and they're not thinking clearly.
0: Yeah, and that can, sometimes when that happens, that's when you start to see like brawls and stuff, like like dumb things happening after the whistle. How did your coach deal with those? We'd get punished after the game, next practice. What do he get you to do? They just skate us. What skate us? Just get us on at one end of the ice and they blow the whistle and you go there and back. They'd say something, tell us how bad we were <laughs> there back again. <laughs> just keep doing that until the coaches think that we got the message. I've had to do full hours, not many times, just twice, but yeah, full hours of just there and back who'd quit no one you can't yeah no yeah i've I've in like when we've gotten in trouble and have had to have be like punished like that i've never seen
1: anybody quit so everybody on your team owned up to it yeah and we're willing to take the Yeah.
0: actually the worst thing i ever seen was when uh it was like one guy that messed up he went he decided that he was this was our top goal scorer that we traded um, he had been going out partying. So instead of punishing him, what happened was, uh, he didn't get punished and
1: the rest of the team got punished. I think that's how you get to a team, like in a good way. Yeah. Yeah. How was it afterwards for you guys when that happened?
0: It was fine for us. It wasn't good for him though.
1: What do you mean not good for him?
0: Like nobody liked him.
1: Okay. yeah. So they saw and then, yeah. Then subsequently he got traded after. Yeah yeah whose decision was it to trade him
0: so that was actually that was quite interesting because it was the uh, leadership group so uh, our team captain myself and uh, two other assistant captains we walked into our general managers office and said that we have to trade this guy which doesn't really happen like the players don't usually go in and demand (laughs) a trade What made you guys demand that trade if this is... Because he was hurting us as a group. Like he was creating little clicks amongst the team. For an example, I was on his line for a little bit. And so you got three guys on the line and he would come up to me and talk shit about the other guy on my line. And just kind of having a little bit of an indication that he's a little bit of, you know, like it doesn't have everybody's best interest. So I went up to our other line mate. and I was like, hey, like we got to nip this in the butt like he's just like he's just talking behind your back like it's not good and i found out that he was actually talking
1: behind my back too <laughs> you're really proven that yeah the best champagne can be tainted with the smallest amount of sewage yeah
0: yeah so that was that was
1: actually kind of like quite funny once he was traded how
0: was the team atmosphere It was, yeah, it was really good. Like not much changed other than we just kind of got rid of this little little bad apple. Yeah. He was just kind of stopping us from getting to where we needed to be, but it was unfortunate because if he wanted to buy in, he could have
1: taken us to the next level.
0: okay. Oh,
1: he had so much skill. It was like insane. So it was a tough decision for everybody. Not tough because he was just such a bad apple.
0: Oh, (laughs) but (laughs) so like the, so we traded him to Calgary. Cause we didn't want to deal with him and we only played Calgary once. And the time that we played them, he got like two goals and three assists. Like just lit us up.
1: He was good. He was incredibly skilled. Oh yeah. One skilled player with a bad attitude can bring down the whole team. Yeah.
0: Like he, like I hope everything's going well with him. Like I'm sure he's got some inner stuff going on. Like he didn't even finish his Western hockey league career, just kind of bowed out. But, and I'm
1: sure that there was like conflicts amongst teams and stuff that led to that. But yeah, very skilled player. It's kind of cool though to see that hockey's not all about what's on the ice. Yeah, it's uh like it's like the iceberg or whatever, like 10% of what you
0: see, but then the other 90% is what you don't see kind of thing.
1: Yeah. You see way more though. Yeah. What should a casual fan be watching for if they want to improve their hockey knowledge? Ooh. I'd
0: say like it it'd be hard to just improve your knowledge by just like yeah, like you can watch the game and understand uh, like, like the offsides and the penalties and stuff. But I think if you want to get into uh, the finer details, I think you would need a coach. I don't think I don't think you can just really pick it up just on your own. Oh no, not about playing hockey, but just enjoying watching. Oh, then yeah, I would just say you just gotta watch it. Yeah, you'd pick it. You'll pick it up, um, like a little bit by a little bit. The more you watch it, I'm tr- kind of struggling like how. Cause I've just been like so immersed in it for so long. You don't know a different yeah. way. Cause I'm like trying to think about like, like, I, like how do you even start learning about the systems and stuff? But like, cause you just kind of do.
1: Wait a minute. So you don't recall how you learned the hockey It's systems. just like,
0: it's just over time. It's just kind
1: of like, just like doing it all the time. Oh, so they gave, they gave you little pieces at a time of the system? Yeah.
0: Cause well, cause like I can remember like, um, like what, just like say starting out when I was like nine years old, like, cause you're just constantly learning. So say from the time that I'm nine until I'm 15, like though, like there's huge learning periods in that time, getting me ready for when I wanted to play junior hockey at 16. So yeah, I'd say it's just, a, it's just time. It takes time.
1: Like, I don't think anybody just kind of naturally sees what's going on. Okay. And they, they're giving you these manageable pieces.
0: Mm-hmm. Like when, Like when I start out, so say when I'm like nine, like the systems that we are using when I'm nine are very simple. Like it's like kind of like a man on man, just kind of very basic. And then each year that you move up, you obviously you get better coaches, you're playing with better players and yeah. And you just kind of slowly start to evolve your perception of the game.
1: Did you notice the transition?
0: Um, Not while I was in it, but maybe now, yeah. So during that time, you felt no progress was being made. Yeah, it's weird because you're just like, I can remember just being like, you're going over video and it's just like, okay, this is what you do in this situation. This is what not to do in this situation. And then you just kind of go from there. And then once you put it together. Yeah. So I would say, yeah, there was a lot of learning and improvement, say from when I was just starting
1: hockey until now. However, during the time you didn't notice much. Didn't really notice much. No. But you just noticed later on yeah, you well, there were winning was, more games.
0: Yeah. There were just like such small degrees of maybe improvement that you just over, like you don't see it over time because it's just so small of like little details being adjusted and improved on.
1: So it sounds like you didn't actually zoom out that much. You stayed in that day to day. Oh, I, yeah. Tunnel vision for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And now that you zoom out, you see there actually was progress. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. So that's something you are currently applying to school. Yeah. Yeah. And just with everything because it's
0: like, well, now that I'm in school, I realize how dumb I am
1: <laughs> and
0: how much stuff that I don't know. Always trying to learn, keeping an open mind to everything. Maybe it was something that hockey's really taught me is just like there's there's not always one right or wrong way to do something. Just like maybe in hockey, there's not always one right or wrong system. Oh, there's no absolute system. Yeah, like hockey. there's no there's not one set system. You got your foundation, and then there's a ton there's tons of little like subsystems around that system that you can apply, take in, move out. Like my favorite system in, in the D zone was called an overload. And so what that means is, so if you look at your defensive zone as a dice, each dot of like the five dice is a zone in that zone. And so we called it the overload is so if the puck was say on like the bottom right dot of the dice, you would want kind of you would want five guys in that quadrant kind of thing overloading that zone because it's very hard for a team to get anything done when it's just like guys are just there. But then you also then you have to know if the puck switches sides. Everybody's got to know where they gotta go to. Yeah. And that's where it can get tricky because if you lose your battle, everybody's then has to in that overload, everybody's got to go to their new position. But then while everybody's going to that new position, if somebody's slow, if somebody's not, say, doing it right, the other team can pick that apart and kind of... um,
1: They can exploit it. Yeah, they can exploit it. Yeah.
0: And that's all it is. It's just exploiting little things that you can find. So what we would do is if we were caught in an overload in the offensive zone, we would switch sides. So we would... And sometimes I would just be rimming the puck out to your defenseman on the blue line. And then the defenseman would get it. And then basically the, the guys that are in the corner, now you're going to the front of the net trying to get a shot. Because then if you get that shot through, now that spreads everything out.
1: Oh, because it's in a bigger
0: area, yeah. not a funnel. Yeah. And now everything's spread out and now you can play.
1: But, but in, in that overload, what are you doing to the other team?
0: So in, at that particular time, we're just trying to move the puck to the other side just to get some space yeah but then once that space opens up then you can play that's okay because yeah. you have the space to actually move yeah. yeah yeah
1: so that's your your favorite play was the overload
0: yeah because i found well we just had the most success with it just like shutting teams down like if you get a really skilled team you can really shut a team down with with the overload because it's just it's just um you're creating just small spaces and it's hard to like be in a phone booth and make plays kind of so
1: thing. four of your players would crowd this one guy yeah, or f- five basically. Five would be on this one yeah. guy trying to get the puck to the other side of the yeah. ice.
0: But then, say they win, a ba- but then if the puck switches sides or it goes to another quadrant, then we're just shifting. The five guys just shift together.
1: Everybody's on a string. Okay. Yeah. And everybody has to move together. Interesting. So you have a certain order that you have to move yeah. to that next area where yeah. the puck is.
0: Yeah. And like that's the, where it can get if somebody, say, like if somebody fell over. And then they're getting to their spot late. Then there's uh, something could open up and something bad could happen.
1: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. This is really showing where it's in that execution. Yeah. Then if they don't, if Mm -hmm. not everybody is on their mark, Mm -hmm. it can crumble. Yeah. But then like
0: something that really can separate like the best players from the worst players, it's their ability to be creative within that system. Okay. So they know it well enough that they can break the rules. And like, yeah. Well though. Yeah, and that's a really
1: hard... I don't know if you can teach that skill. That comes down to ice time and experience? I'd say so. What's the worst position that your team can be put in? The worst
0: position, I would say, is if you're in the offensive zone and if all three of the forwards are caught way too low and if there's a fast break, because then you can get like four guys attacking your two defensemen and then the three forwards, say, are back-checking, trying to kind of regroup and get back to where they were
1: supposed to be. Okay. Cause so you're on the other side, you're yeah. close to the other team's net, yeah. but somehow the, the, the puck breaks yeah. to your side.
0: Like turnovers are, are, can be like the death of teams and like our team, we weren't necessarily very fast. So like, yeah, if, if like we got into, we would call it like a track meet where if you're just going back and forth, back and forth, like that was bad for us. Where some teams that are like really fast and skilled, like they can prey on teams that, Are slow by getting into a
1: track meet. Yeah, so they can just wear you down. Yeah. Yeah. How would you guys mitigate that? By so, how
0: we would, so the way that we would wear teams down was basically get that red line, get the puck in, and hit them.
1: So, what do you mean get that red line?
0: Um, So, the red line is like the half point on the ice. And so, you have to get over the red line to be able to dump it in without a whistle for an icing. And so, that was. Especially early in the games, it would be to get across the red line, get the puck in deep, which means get it past their goal line, and then just forecheck, finish your checks. Because over the span of sixty minutes, that's going to wear out the team. Okay, so you're just yeah. you're damn. you're you're chipping we're away. We're playing, we're playing for the third period. Yeah, we we beat a lot of teams in the third period.
1: You destroyed them. Yeah, just slowly.
0: Yeah, like we could, get, we could get three lines just kind of rolling. Like you'd have four lines, but your last line is kind of you throw them in to give your top three lines a rest sometimes. Not all the times. So that's kind of just the way that uh, we went about it. And we would get like, th- we could get like on a really good game, we'd get three lines going and just
1: like hitting the other team for two periods and then just take over. <laughs> so that you could constantly be switching in fresh guys. Yeah. And cooking the other team. Yeah. And waiting for that third period. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in the playoffs that we went to the final, the series that
0: we played Spokane, actually not just Spok- Spokane and Victoria, um, after the game, their coaches were saying like, it was just like, we couldn't do anything. Cause like, it would be like after like one line, then it would just be another and just lines are just keep coming and just keep coming. And I would just, it just wears on teams.
1: And you guys trusted that this would work.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's the only way, it's the only way that we could win. Cause like we weren't skilled enough. But you beat them with this execution of the system. Yeah. That's pretty exciting when you're saying it without watching this. Yeah. It's well, it was like being in it was super fun. Did you guys all, were you guys all in the zone then? Yeah. Yeah. And everybody worked well.
0: Yeah. Like, yeah. Like I like, I like every guy on that team. Like we were just,
1: we all had the same goal and you guys all accomplished it together. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh man. Well, should we call it? Sure, yeah.